Hi, and welcome to the Core Church Podcast. Our vision is to experience Christ's heart and to share His heart with others. Are you ready to learn more about Him? Let's dive into this week's message. Declaring His excellencies. Amen, church? That's what this year is all about. 2024 is the year of declaring His excellencies all across the church. We're going to be praising God week in and week out for all that He's done and all that He is, all who He is. Uh, We started this series opening up about how you and I were created, designed by God to praise and worship. Oh, it was really powerful. Please go back and listen so that you have evidence that this is actually your responsibility and what you're designed to do. And last week, we talked about how you uh, and I, when we witnessed the, the wondrous works, oh, we are inspired to worship. Someone say, do it again. Yeah, when we see him do it again, oh, we praise and we shout from the rooftops. This one's going to be a fun one today. This, this, this message is titled, You Never Will. Oh, what the heck? That sounds kind of terrible. <laughs> you never will. You'll, you'll understand that as we get into it. But today we're going to be talking about God's unmatched character. Are y'all ready to jump in? I ask this question every week. Are we missing the point? Are we missing the point? Doing church while we're here. Why we're assembled in a group like this? Are we missing the point? We get really caught up in the motions and do the expected thing. And when we hear chains fall, we raise them. And then it goes down because they they stop singing. And then we go like this because we want to worship. And then Judd says for us to raise our hands. We do all the things that we're supposed to do. But I ask you, are we missing the point? Look at what it says in Amos chapter 5. This is God talking through the prophet Amos. Look at what he says. I cannot stand. Yes, this is in the message transliteration. Not translation, transliteration. I can't stand your religious meetings. Ooh. I'm fed up with the conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time someone say it? You sang to me. It's really cool to sit in the chairs. It's really cool to go to the small group. It's awesome to go to the men's ministry. It's awesome to go and be a part of things. It's awesome to go through the motions. But when was the last time you truly sang from the depths of your heart to him, declaring his praises? When's the last time? I pray that this year just ignites that true, genuine heart of singing to him with everything you've got. I believe that this scripture right here shows us the heart of God and what he truly desires. And above all else, God desires hearts that truly worship him, that submit, lift him up, and follow him. That's all he wants. He's not expecting perfection, although we will grow and change. He's not expecting the best attendance, although we love being a part of the body. Above all, he wants your heart. That's it. 
It's time to start singing and praising like that. I, uh, I love sharing the scripture with you. This is in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9. This is our scripture for the year. But you're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, not just a priest. You're part of a body of priests, right? A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may, what? what is your responsibility? What is your goal? What is it that you, if you're a believer in the way, the truth, and the life, we got any believers in the house? that's you, then this is what you ought to do. Proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. This is your responsibility to declare his excellencies is our mission as the church, as the body. In whatever way you do it. See, I might be able to sing. Some of y'all might not be able to, but some of y'all can swing a hammer. Some of y'all can teach the next generations. Some of y'all can create and write. Some of you guys All of us are so different, and we can accomplish this mission in a vast, vast, various ways. Praise, though, declaring his excellencies. Someone asked, just a plain question, what does that actually mean? It's letting the whole world know who he is and what he's done. That's it. Letting the whole world know who Jesus is and what he has done. What does it look like to do that for you and for me? And uh, we can look at the... the story of David, we can see this in Psalm chapter 40. He gives us insight as to what it looks like. And now I love that he talks about doing it in the midst of the great congregation. That's us right here. You might read that that 1 Peter 2, 9 and say, well, that's really cool. We got to go do it out here. How could you declare his praises out out there if you can't do it in here? So I've proclaimed good news. Someone say good news. I've proclaimed good news of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not. Someone say will not. I will not restrain my lips any longer. I will not hold back what is in my heart. I won't. I won't sit on the sidelines any longer. I will not restrain my lips. Lord, you know I've not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I've spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your mercy and your truth from the great congregation. That's why I love these cards. We're not concealing what God has done, how he's been faithful, how he's been good, true, and merciful. We don't hold it back any longer. Amen, church? We can't. If we're to be declaring his excellencies, we cannot hold back any longer the praise. Go ahead, put this up there. We can't hold back the praise that is within our hearts any longer. That's what this year is all about. No holding back, going all in. No restrained lips. We're going to be shouting his praise, telling the world what he's done, especially in this room. Y'all on board with that this year? It's going to be a special year. It's going to be a special year. So uh, we're talking about his unmatched character today, that there is no one like our God. There is none like him, none. None. I mean that. There's none like him. I don't think we understand that. I think sometimes even the church, we don't even know how to put into words 
who he is. And today, that's what we're going to talk about. Psalm 57 says it like this. This is David. He says, I will praise you, Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations for your goodness. Someone say goodness. That's who he is. It's not about what he does. He is good. Your goodness is great to the heavens. He's not just a little bit good. It is all the way unfathomably good. All the way. And your truth to the clouds. He is the way, the truth, and the life. These are who you are statements, not what he's done statements. I think in the church we need to start, especially in worship, start talking about that is who you are. Who you are statements. Who you are. Be exalted above the heavens, God. May your glory be above all the earth. Today, we're going to be talking about his unmatched character. I want to encourage you, take some notes. You can get the clipboard out in front. That's cool. You can take some notes so you don't forget Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Bottom line for today is this, is that his unmatched character, unmatched character is worthy of our praise. This is a a pivotal moment in the church's life right here at Core Church. I want to teach you today because I think if we get this, if we understand this, our praise declaring his excellencies is going to be never ending. Church, y'all wait today. I know. Okay, okay. Hey, do this with me now. And if you ain't on board, I'm going to pull you ahead anyways. Good luck. All in. Come on now. Come on now. And it's not about the hoorah and the hype. I'm talking about leaning in and expecting God to blow your mind a little bit for some fresh revelation from heaven about who he is. Y'all ready? Good, then let's go 100% together. I have a question for you all to consider, and you'll understand why I'm asking you this question. Read it slowly. Is it what you do that determines who you are or who you are that determines what you do? Is it what you do that determines who you are Or who you are that determines what you do. Some might say the first one. Some might say the second one. You know what I want to say? Let's go to the word of God. Right? The word of God trumps what we feel and what we think. Is that cool? Can we all agree to that? We got believers in the house, so the word teaches us how to feel and think. Yeah? Good, 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 good. Yay. Get your books out. Luke chapter 6. Go ahead. Luke chapter 6. Get the pages out. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6. And, man, bring your Bibles, too. Get the paper to church. We paperback saved here. For there's no good. Someone say good. I'm going to read a verse earlier. That's okay. I'm in verse 43. Luke chapter 6, verse 43. For there is no good tree that bears bad fruit. Good is the adjective. Bears. (laughs) Beats. Battlestar. Okay. Bears is the verb. What came first? The adjective or the verb? Hey, okay, okay, we're going to go through a little bit of a language lesson here. Okay, for each tree, okay, wait, for there is no good, someone say adjective. There is no good tree that bears, someone say verb. Which one came first? 
adjective is something that describes who you are. It describes the noun, the what. A good tree that bears bad fruit. Is it what you do that determines who you are or who you are that determines what you do? Nor, on the other hand, a bad tree, adjective, that bears, verb, good fruit. For each tree is known by its fruit. For people do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good person, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth what is good. Did y'all get your answer there? It's who you are that determines what you do. It's who you are that determines what you do. And the evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Then Nick, how are any of us good? I want to give you a nice little theological. Can we take a little side swerve? It's a good thing that God replaces your heart of stone and gives you a heart of flesh and calls you a new creation as you accept and believe in him so that way you are indeed new and you can do the things that God has called you to do. He doesn't expect you to do the things that he's called you to do and then make you new. No, he makes you new first. Then you put the old away and you do what is good. For you're a new creation. Put the old away. Y'all catching that church? So he makes you new so that you can do the good that you're designed to do. So if we can all agree that the word of God shows us pretty clearly that it's who we are that determines what we do. From the good that's stored up within our heart comes the good that is done with our hands. It's out of our heart that we do what we do. And the whole point of why I'm showing you this is that I believe it's just like him. It's out of his heart that he does what he does. Y'all tracking with me, church? It's out of your heart that you do what you do. And it's out of his heart that he does what he does. It's out of his love for you that he sent his son. He didn't send his son and then love you. No, he loved you enough, it says in Romans 5, that while you were still sinning, he sent his one and only son. It's out of his heart that he does what he does. It's who he is. It's who he is. So why is this pertinent to the year of declaring his excellencies? What does this have to do with the message? Cool, I get it. It's out of what's going on in here that it outworks in our hand. Why is this pertinent to the year of declaring his excellencies? Someone say works. Works. I think the church has slipped into a works-based worship that praise only occurs when breakthrough happens. Now I want to give clarity. God is working on our behalf in ways that we can't even see or comprehend. Like breakthrough is always happening. What I mean is that praise only happens when the waters part. That's what I'm finding in the church. And I want us to celebrate those water parting moments, the sea parting moments. But that's not the only time or the only reason I praise. So why, I'm, why is this pertinent is because of this. 
Breakthrough like the water splitting might not happen every day. And if your praise and your declaration of his excellencies is only based on those seas parting, you would not praise for 40 years. So why I'm teaching you this today is because I think that we need to start praising him for who he is. And then our praise would be never ending. His character always remains the same. And it's out of who he is that he does what he does. Why is this pertinent? Because I want you to start praising. I want to teach you to start declaring who he is in the midst of the great congregation. Not just what he's done. I believe that we all have a reason to declare his praises for who he is. His character always remains the same. It says in Hebrews 13, it goes like this in verse 8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So again, the seas might part once every 40 years, but he is good forever. He is love forever. He is wise forever. He is powerful forever. He is holy forever. I know I'm preaching. Come on now. That's who he is forever. And so we can praise him for that. His character is unmatched and it never changes. In every season and through every trial, he is still good. In your lowest of moments, he is still holy. In the greatest of mountaintops, he is the most powerful. When you don't know where you're going, yes, he is all wisdom. We can praise him for who he is. I wrote this down and I pray that this hits your heart today. Praise attached to his character will establish a worship that is authentic and unwavering. I called Judd this week and I was just hit with like a bunch of different directions. Where do I go with this message? So I'm going to take a pause here and go with what I didn't go with for a second. There's a portion in the scripture where some of these Pharisees come up to Jesus and they say, if you're God, give us a sign. Do you know what Jesus says of those who demand a sign to believe? That they're a wicked and perverse generation. In that very same passage, in that very same chapter, Jesus goes to Peter and says, these people in all these different regions are saying things about who I am. Well, who do you? Someone say me. Who do you say I am? Peter doesn't say, I've seen you do miracles. He doesn't say, I've seen you cast out demons. He doesn't say, I've seen you give sight to the blind. He says, you are the Messiah. That's it. That. That's the heart of worship. Not demanding the sign but the belief and the knowing, the revelation that comes from heaven, not from flesh, that's worship. When you praise him based off of who he is, your praise is gonna be authentic and unwavering. Unwavering. I wanna give you evidence that this theory is true, that it's out of who you are that determines what you do. Are you guys ready to learn today? Did you know 
glad you could put this up here. Did you know that his works are reflective of who? Someone say who. Who he is. His works are reflective of who he is. Jesus states who he is, and he backs it up with what he does. Y'all ready? Anyone ever hear of the feeding of the 5,000? Oh, we all love that. Oh, loaves and fishes. We do it down in Sunday school, and the kids freak out. They take their little fishies and they do the thing. We all know the account. There's people who are hungry, and Jesus says, hey, you give them something to eat. He lifts up the bread, breaks it, and then all of a sudden, thousands of people are fed. John chapter 6. Look at who Jesus states who he is. Jesus said to them, say it with me, I am the bread of life. He states who he is and backs it up with what he does. A miracle about bread and people being fed. I'm the bread of life. The one who comes to me will not be hungry and the one who believes in me will never be thirsty. Serious. Look, John chapter 6. This is that same chapter. Go ahead, next. Yep. Jesus then took the loaves after he gave thanks. He distributed them to those who were reclining. Likewise, also the fish, as much as they wanted. You see, he satisfies, not just gives you a little bit. He makes sure that you are full. Now that's the work, but that's because of who he is. He is our source. He is satisfaction. That's who he is. And then he breaks it and feeds a multitude as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he said to the disciples, gather up the leftover pieces so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up. Look, this is in John chapter 6. It's the same chapter, folks. They gathered them up, filled up the 12 baskets with pieces, five barley loaves which were left, and those who had eaten. You see him. Declare who he is and back it up with what he does. The bread of life feeds thousands of people. Do you see why it's important to understand who he is? You want more evidence? I'll give you more evidence. Y'all ready? There was a man who was blind. And Jesus runs into him. And he makes a declaration about who he is. And then things start to change. This is in John chapter 9. Go ahead. You can put this up here. That same book, that same book, three chapters later, we must carry, this is Jesus talking, we must carry out the works of him who sent me. He's talking about God sending you. We got to do it all the way up until the very end. We got to do what he's telling us to do. We got to do it as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, someone say, I am the light. Who is he? The light. That's who he is. He's describing himself. I'm the light of the world. When he had said this, he spit on the ground and made mud from the saliva. God does things in weird ways. Yes, he does. If you try figuring it out, you will never figure it out. His, I, I don't know why we get so confused and so upset at, at, at how God works. Sometimes we just have to believe and put aside our understanding. So he spits on the ground, gets some saliva on it, gets the dirt, rubs the mud on his eyes and says to him, go wash in the pool. Uh, and so he left and washed and he came back seeing. Who is he? Who is he? 
The light of the world gives sight to the blind. He declares who he is and then backs it up with what he does. Are y'all catching this? It's happening in real time in these accounts. There's this moment. He knows this family, Martha and Mary, and their brother Lazarus dies. They're upset. Oh, they had been journeying with Jesus. They had known Jesus. They believed in him. They loved Jesus. Their family, everybody loved Jesus in their family. And Jesus was away. And Lazarus died. And so Martha, this is in, uh, I believe it's John chapter 11. Yep. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Oh, if only you would have been in our midst, you could have saved him. I've seen you work miracles. I've seen you do impossible things. I've seen people healed. I've seen people receive sight. I know you could have done it. Even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus says to her, your brother will rise from the dead. Whoa. Martha said to him, I know about the resurrection. I understand that one day our bodies will be raised. I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said, someone say, I am the resurrection. Someone say, and the life. That's who he is. He gives a statement. He declares who he is. I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even if he dies. So there's no hope. Lazarus has been dead for three days now. Three days. Someone say three days. He's been dead for three days. He says, bring me to the tomb and get the stone away. He's wrapped and cloth, it is declared over in Martha and Mary's eyes. There's no way there's any coming back from this. Jesus, if only if you had been there. Who is he though? The resurrection and the life. So Jesus goes up to the tomb. He cries out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Out came a man who had died, bound hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. The resurrection and the life brings a man out of a tomb. He is who he is, and that is what comes out. This is what who he is determines what he does. I'm the bread of life. I'm going to feed thousands. I'm the light of the world. I'm going to give sight to the blind. I'm the resurrection and the life. And I'm going to bring you out of the tomb. That's who he is. Oh, there's so much. I I mean, we could spend three hours. I don't want to take all of your time up. But we could spend three hours talking about who he is all over the I am statements. And you will see over and over again that who he is determines what he does. What are we learning from this? His character, who he is, needs to be the focus of our declaration. And it will be authentic and unwavering. Who he is needs to be the resounding praise from our lips. We should not restrain who he is anymore. Y'all with me, church? Wonderful. Psalm 69 says it like this. I will praise the name. Someone say the name. The name of God. Oh, you can praise his name. Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides. Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. 
Oh, you could just simply praise his name with song and exalt him with thanksgiving. You could praise who he is, his name. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. He is good. His mercy, his love is everlasting. That's who he is. That's who he is. So I think the church, the church might be missing something when our worship is only works-based. Oh, we can absolutely celebrate the breakthrough, and I want to do that every day with y'all because I know God is up to something in our midst here. In a time like this, he is moving on believers' behalf. But I want to teach you today to praise him for who he is. My question for all of us to consider is how can we declare his praises if we only celebrate his deeds and not his character? How can we adequately declare his praises, his excellencies, tell the world about all that he's done and who he is without considering his character? So I said earlier, some of us might not know how to put into words who he is. That's okay. It's very overwhelming when you think about it. He is great and mighty. He is... um. We can't understand everything about him either. That's the other crazy part. We can't figure out every detail of all of it. But the beautiful thing is that he promises to make himself known. And so through looking at this book, someone say the book. Through looking at this book, can we discover who he is today? Y'all ready to jump into it? Good, good, good. Uh, This message was titled, You Will Never. That sounds terrible, but here it goes. Let us discover who he is together. You will never find love like this. I get I get very overwhelmed by this. I didn't deserve it at all. believer in the way, you know what I'm talking about. Lance, I know you've been rescued. Tyler, my friend, I've known you for a long time. I know you've been rescued. Not what he's done, but who he is. You'll never find a love like this. Never. Never. Marissa, I know you've been rescued. Yeah. Mark, I know you've been rescued. Rarely would someone give up their own life for a good person let alone a wretch like me. It makes no sense, but this is grace. So 
behind each of one, each of these, I, I got four of them. You will never find statements. Behind each of them is a is a psalm for us to consider. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. It says in scripture that God is actually love. He is love. That is who he is. I, I, I was thinking about how to say this, uh, and I'm just going to flat out say it. Anything outside of his love is a, a pseudo counterfeit in nature. We can try to love like that all we want, but that is the ideal and the perfect expression of love. He is the embodiment of love. He is love. Put this up here, please. He is love, unconditional, unending, and unfathomable. That me, a prodigal son, would go my own way and return, and he would clothe me with glory. It makes no sense. It makes no sense that he would give up his life for someone like us. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Go ahead, I put this up here. Uh, this is Ephesians 3. He's praying for his people. He's praying for the church in Ephesus. This is Paul writing, I'm praying for you so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and that you, being rooted and grounded in love in Christ, may be able to comprehend. I pray that you would understand just this much with all the saints here, the width, the length, the height, the depth, go ahead, the height, the depth, and to know the love of Christ, what surpasses knowledge, it's unfathomable, unending and unconditional, that you may be filled to the fullness of God. I pray that you would only catch a glimpse because your life would be forever changed. You'll never find a love like this. No, Romans 5, I shared it. For one would hardly die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for you. Someone say, for me. That's love. That's love. You'll never find love like that. The only close comparison that you can possibly feel is from parent to child. That's the closest that we can get. And even then, it's stronger than that. There's a song that we sing, So Will I. The, the lyric in it is that he would give his life a billion times over and over again. He gave his life for people who would spit on him. There's not a love like that. There's not a love like that. Someone say, he is love. That's who he is. You'll never find wisdom like this. You'll never find wisdom like this. Oh, we think we're so smart. We think we can figure it out. There's a bunch of big brain people who say it all came from a big bang. Come on now. He makes those who are haughty and pride in their own eyes, he humbles them. The wisest of men 
can't even come close to his folly. You'll never find wisdom like this. What is wisdom? Wisdom is skill, craft, knowledge, and understanding. That's what wisdom is. You'll never find anything like this. You can read all the books. You can watch all the documentaries. All the digging on Google that you want. You'll never find wisdom like this. Ever. You can try pushing through your own way, but you will never find wisdom that will tell you exactly the right thing to do like this. You can go to your mama and ask for advice. Or you can lean on this book that will tell you and show you all things. It's perfectly sufficient for all things. You'll never find wisdom like this. How great are your works? Well, that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But your thoughts are very deep. It says by wisdom that he created the heavens and the earth. Out of his skill, out of his understanding, he formed everything. Out of wisdom, somehow he created DNA and put it in a nucleus. And somehow these cells stick together and form a person with blue eyes and brown eyes and brown hair and blonde hair. Somehow. It's impossible. When you think about how to create something out of nothing, it's impossible for you to do. You want evidence that your thoughts are limited compared to his? It's called ex nihilo. It's, 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 a, it's a term in Hebrew. Ex nihilo means to create something out of nothing. You can't do it. If I were to ask you to create a monster, I know, weird question, but you would describe your monster. You would say, it's purple. I've seen purple. Good job. You haven't created anything new yet. You would say it has teeth. Yeah, I have teeth too. You haven't created anything new yet. Many eyes. Good one. Real original. Spikes. Weird fur. I've seen all of those things. You are completely limited in your imagination. And he is not. You'll never find wisdom like him. Never. The greatest of minds pales in comparison to his ways. He is wisdom. For the foolishness of God, go ahead, you can put this up here. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 25. For the foolishness of God is wiser than mankind, and the weakness of God is stronger than mankind. In his lowest moments, when it comes to wisdom, understanding, skill, proficiency, you pale in comparison. That's why people who claim to know it all, oh my goodness, God loves to humble. And I, I would even also say this, that for those who seek knowledge, understanding, it, it can be really hard to understand God when you value your ways and your thoughts above his word. When you have determined that your intellect far surpasses what he's written on that page. He will make you foolish. And it's at that point you will find him. For the foolishness of God is wiser than, the, the, than mankind. Go ahead, you can put this next one up as well. Isaiah 55, for my thoughts, this is God talking. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts your thoughts. 
This is where, if you understand who he is, truly, if you can truly acknowledge that his ways are higher than your ways, then in every season of hardship where you start to doubt and you start to question, you will find yourself trusting instead of doubting. This is often our biggest block. One of the greatest questions is, how could God allow evil to happen? And my answer to you would be, your mind is too small to fathom and comprehend the goodness of our God. To trust that his ways are higher. Yes, that is a tragedy what has happened on the earth and evil is at large, but there's a beautiful plan being weighed out. And in God's wisdom, it's gonna be perfect. But until you submit your thoughts and recognize this about yourself, it will be really hard to trust. Y'all catching this church? He is wisdom. Someone say he is wisdom. You'll never find holy like this. What is holiness? Purity. To be set apart. To look like nothing you've ever seen. Perfection. He is holy. Only good. Radiant, beautiful, magnificent, unlike anything you have seen. Unblemished, without mistake, he's holy. That's why in the presence of a holy God, we feel shame because of our mistakes and our uncleanliness. In the presence of that which is pure, good, unmistakable, without defect. It brings quite an awareness to the brokenness in me. And yet, even with all of that, he promises to make you clean and whole. Isn't that beautiful? You'll never find holy like this. Bless the Lord, my soul. Go ahead. And all that is within me, bless his what? Holy name. Adjective, holy name. He is holy. He is set apart. He is unmatched. He is completely different. He is pure, perfect, good, without mistake, without blemish. That is him. And his name is the same nature. His holy name. I've been saying it multiple times, but what does holy mean? Because we hear that and it's like a churchy word. And, and to just kind of make it very simple for you guys, he is entirely set apart. In other words, there's nothing like him. It is perfect and his intentions are pure. Wait, I love that part. Does anyone assume motives? So when you have that conversation, you ask, what do they mean by that? Are they trying to get something out of me? You try to read between the lines. There is nothing but your goodness and edification behind everything he does. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There's no agenda other than your restored life when you talk with him. There is nothing other than making you whole in his heart when he meets you and walks with you. It is so pure. His intentions are pure. What does God really want? What he really wants is your life to be full as he designed it. No agenda. No agenda. 
His intentions are pure. First John, oh, this is one of my favorite books. First John chapter one, verse five says this. This is the message that we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Jesus said, I am the light. Look, he is light. This is happening all over the place. He is light. If you guys know science and if you've been in the church long enough and you know the preaching, how to do it, you know that light and darkness cannot coexist at all. Where there is light, there is no darkness, and darkness is completely void of any light. That is how far apart the enemy and him are. Scripture says that he knows no evil. How does he know no evil whenever it's like evil and he knows everything? Let me answer that question. The knows no evil does not mean that he does not intellectually know it. It means that he is not intimately connected with it at all. That's not a part of who he is. He knows no evil. He is light. And it is pure. And in him there is no darkness at all. And then the beautiful part about being holy, there's always this question, <laughs> is, it, uh, is it the person that makes the soap dirty or the soap that makes the person clean? You ever ask that question? Some people use other terminology, you know what I mean? Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay. It's his perfection that cleans. 1 John 1, 9, four verses later, it says this, if we confess our sins, if we in our brokenness go up to him who is holy and set apart, unmatched, unlike anyone else, totally pure, and his intentions are only good for you, instead of shaming you and beating you up like he could, he takes his cleanliness and his perfection and he says, I'm gonna make you whole and right just like me. He is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us and cleanse us. It is, listen, it is only what is pure that can purify. It is only that which is clean that can indeed clean. You don't put that which is messy and expect it to clean a floor. No, it is that which is clean that truly makes things right. Praise God that he's not just some holy God who's far away, but he's set apart and willing to come and make you set apart. That's why we can say, and in the scripture it says, be holy just as your father is holy because he has cleaned you because he is clean. Someone say he is holy. You will never find power like this. We're gonna wrap up soon. You will never find power like this. Never. He is unmatched in power. This is the God who can, again, as we talked earlier, he can think something beyond what you can think and he can put it into motion. This is the God who can form the stars and put them in their place in the sky and in the same breath form these little chains that determine who you are called DNA. I mean, there is no power like his. This is the God who can part the sea. This is the God who can rain hail from heaven. This is the God who can do all things. Someone say all things. All things. There is nothing that is impossible with him. Even the saving of a soul is not impossible for him. Sometimes I feel like we forget that he is strong. But as for me, David says, I will sing of your strength. Someone say strength. 
Yes, I will joyfully sing of your faithfulness in the morning for you have been my refuge and a place of refuge on the day of my distress. He is strong and he is powerful. Stronger than anything else. Oh, we run to our places of safety, but as we said last year, all of our strongholds are but paper mache fortresses and the enemy can penetrate it. But when you rest in the shadow of his wings, you are covered, for he is stronger than all else. There is, oh, I, I love this. I love talking about what God can do, and I'll say it like this. There is no limit. Someone say limit. There's no limit to his capacity and his capability. So there's no limit to how big it is and how he can do it. There is no limit to his capacity and his capability. You know what's crazy? Is that Tim, he can meet you and work on your behalf and do something powerful in your life. Same with you, Ali. Same with you, Victoria. Same with you, Harley. He's got broad shoulders. His capacity is incredible. And he is capable of anything. And he's not only got the capacity to do it just for core church, he's got the capacity to do it for believers across the world. That's how big he is. Oh, he's got capacity and capability. He is powerful. And again, in that same portion of scripture, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul is praying for you and I and he gives glory to God and he says now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Capacity and capability. You think he can't heal? I don't know. I got a whole book that tells me and shows me proof that he does. You think he can't guide? I got a whole book that shows me and gives me proof that he does. You think he's not wise? I got a whole book that shows me that he can and he does. I got, I, you think he can't save and rescue and redeem? I got a whole book that shows me he can and that he does. Far, far more than you could ever ask or imagine. Sometimes, why does the church put a ceiling or a limit on what he can do? Why do we do that? We'll even go into a place, and maybe it's in our defeat, and maybe it's a scheme of the enemy, but what we'll do is we'll discredit God, and we'll say, we'll even see it happen in church. Oh, he can restore that marriage, but he can't restore mine. What are you talking about? Our God has limitless capacity and capability. He can do it. According to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church. Yes, praise God, declare his praises in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Job, even the man who was so defeated and went through all the ups and downs, towards the end, he says, I know. Some will say, no, I know it. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, if you're here today and you don't believe that God has the capacity and capability, you just got to tell yourself, I know. Someone say, I know. I know. Someone say, I know. I know. I know it. Sometimes you just got to tell your soul. Because your flesh speaks loud, but your soul knows it. I know you can do all things and that no plan is impossible for you. Oh, if he said it, we believe it and it will happen. Someone say he is power. He is power. Yeah. He is love. He is wisdom. He is holy. He is power. Again, I just talked for nearly an hour and we could go 10, 15 times that. 
I could show you over and over and over again and speak of the magnificence of his unmatched character all day with you. But what I want to get at, remember, we're talking about worship and declaring his excellencies. There's a great difference between look at what you've done and look at who you are. something powerful to saying you are love you are power I will declare amongst the great congregation now God that you are wisdom and God in the midst of all my brothers and sisters I will shout you are holy in Revelation are the angels talking about what he's done on the earth? Are they singing, you have done great things and you're awesome and you can cause the word? No, he says, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Never changes. And they are declaring who he is. I want to worship like heaven. Y'all want to do that with me too? We got to practice this. Tomorrow, I challenge you to just wake up and start declaring who he is. And if you don't know, start saying, you are love. I don't care if you got to say it 19 times and sound ridiculous in the bathroom mirror. You just got to say, you are love. Someone say it with me. You are love. You are wisdom. You are holy. You are power. Yes. Now, last, I wrap up with this. If you do not know him, or if this seems new to you, or if you've hit a wall, if you don't know of his nature, seek him. Seek him. Now, I want to give a caveat. I want to give a caveat. I was talking with an individual, and he brought up the scripture that I'm about to bring up. And he said, God has not revealed himself to me. But what this individual does not understand is that he puts stipulations on how God is to be known by him. So you better prove to me, it's the, you. I demand signs type conversation. I demand this to work out like I design it. And when you put stipulations on him making himself known, you will be searching forever. So in Jeremiah 29, Oh, there's 70 years of being in captivity. And then God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you on every kitchen wall. Then you will call me and come and pray to me. Do you know what's crazy? So many other religions have so many stipulations. Do you see how easy this is? I will call upon you and pray. And you will seek me, will, that's a promise. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will, that's a promise. I will. Someone say, let myself be known. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord. If you want to know more of who he is, put your life down. Seek him with everything you've got, and I promise you, he will make himself known. Yes, you will see great works, but you will discover his unmatched character. He wants to reveal himself to you.
more and more. Amen, church. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We hope you were able to draw closer to Him today and can walk away with a deeper knowledge of His Word. At CORE, we believe you aren't meant to do life alone. Visit us at corechurch.com to learn more about how to get involved with our community through serving opportunities and our weekly events.